Hello, I'm Dwight Waldrop. I'm one of the elders here. This morning we'll be reading from Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 11. That's Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 11. And I'll be reading out of the New American Standard, if you'd like to follow along. Beginning in verse 1, it says, Therefore, if you've been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above not on the things that are on the earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, is who, when Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. Therefore, consider the members of your earthly body as dead to immorality, impurity, passion, evil desires, and greed, which amounts to idolatry. For it is because of these things that the wrath of God will come upon the sons of disobedience. And in them you also once walked when you were living in them. But now you also put them all aside, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and abusive speech from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, since you laid aside the old self and its evil practices. And put on the new self who is being renewed to the true knowledge according to the image of the one who created him, a renewal in which there is no distinction between Greek and Jew, between circumcised and uncircumcised, between barbarian and Scythian, slave and freeman, but Christ is all and in all. May God bless the reading of his word. Good morning, friends. Uh, but today we will be unpacking uh, Colossians chapter 3, verses 5 through 11. Uh, but before we really get into it, today I really want to talk to you about taking off the old and putting on the new. Before we get in, I just want to bow in a word of prayer, and then we will get started. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you, Lord. Um, we do not deserve all of the blessings we have in life. In fact, the only thing we deserve is death and eternal damnation. But you have decided to send your Son to give us the gift of salvation and, Lord, to bestow on us grace and the blessings in life. And, Lord, we just say thanks. We thank you for this church. I thank you just for their faithfulness and their friendship to myself and all of the ways that people serve and contribute And just encourage my spirit, and Lord, I just want to say thank you for all of the ages we have here and all of the background and all the people that are here today. Lord, this is my prayer, and I'll be quiet uh, for the moment. Um, I pray for today that your spirit would work with accordance with your word, and Lord, that we would have self-awareness, that we would truly look at ourselves at the old self that we still allow to hang around, and, Lord, to put on the new self that is being renewed by your Spirit. Lord, pray for some self-awareness today for all of us, including the guy up here that's bald. Um, I pray uh, for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if you have your Bible, stay in Colossians chapter 3. Today we'll be going from verses 5 through 11. And this passage is really part two, in a sense, to last week. And today... I want to talk to you about the old self hanging around. The old self hanging around. My goal today is for us to take off the old and put on the new. 
But first, let's define some terms. What do we mean by the old self? What do we mean by that old self phrase? The old self refers to the former life. Your life before Christ. A life that is ugly. Okay? Like this thing. I'll explain what this is here in just a moment. A life driven by impulse, by temptation, and by worldly values. And what is the new self? It's that represented in that jacket. The new self is a Christ-driven life. It represents being born again. It is characterized by a metamorphosis in our conduct from a life of sin to one of righteousness. Okay. The old sin, the old life, sin, um, likes to just kind of hang around. Are you tracking with me on that one? That each of us, including this guy, we all have the old life kind of hanging around. And the old self, sin, needs to be thrown away like this jacket. Okay. Uh, Put a story to it. I knew. So can I give you an idea? Paul uses clothing terms to describe the old life and the new life. The old self and the new self. That's what he talks about today in Colossians chapter 3, verses 5 through 11. So I thought of about Wednesday of this week, I said, you know what would be a really good sermon illustration about taking off the old and putting on the new? Is to go find some ugly old jacket from a thrift store. So that's what I did this week. This is something I found. This is the oldest looking jacket I found from the thrift store. And I was wearing it last night when I was practicing my sermon. And my wife said, oh, no. You're wearing that tomorrow? (laughs) She said, please don't. Okay, but hey, this jacket represents the old self. And let's just be honest. The old self hangs around in our life like an old shirt that needs to be thrown away. Imagine all of us would go into our closets at home and we could look through a variety of jackets and shirts and we could say any number of them need to be thrown away and discarded in full, need to be given to the goodwill. But there's just something about it. There's something about that old jacket, the old shirt that just draws us in. I mean, this week I found a shirt from 2005 in my dresser, okay? That thing needs to be burned. It's almost how 20 years old. But we all have things. This illustrates the old self hanging around. We are drawn to that old garment, that pit-stained, dingy, slightly smelly. I put this on last night and it smelled horrible. Um, that dead-skin-filled old shirt. We are drawn to it because of sentimentalism. Maybe it brings back a memory. Maybe we were drawn to it because of confidence. Maybe somebody at work 20 years ago gave us a compliment about how we looked in that shirt. Too bad it's 20 years later. Uh, some of us just feel comfortable with that old shirt hanging up in our closet. Uh, some of us are just self-deceived. Now, we put on that old ratty 2005 T-shirt and we think we look good in it until our spouse walks by and says, throw that away. Sometimes we're drawn to that old shirt, that old jacket, because of laziness. Maybe we don't want to throw it away, or maybe because we're just slightly hoarderish. But the old self is like an old shirt. A lot of times we just get used to sin being around. Our old self, temptations of sin, we we know sin is wrong. We know we shouldn't 
live according to our old self. Why? Because we are a new creation. That we, when we come to Christ, we are born again. We are changed. We have a new sense of life in and of ourselves. And we know, if you've been to any church for any matter of time, we know that we shouldn't like sin. You know, preachers talk about sin all the time, right? And some preachers use it as a club, okay? I hope not to do that this morning. But we know lust is wrong. We know being greedy is wrong. We know we shouldn't covet our neighbor's new car. We know these things, but there's just something about it. Some of us are just sentimental about sin. Sometimes we feel more comfortable being at a bar than at church. Sometimes we just want to disconnect from the disappointment in life, so then we drink or we watch something we shouldn't. Or sometimes we are so hurt and so disappointed and so disgruntled that we then find the old self, we find the old jackets and shirts, the old sin that we once lived in, which is our former life, we find that sin just to let us disconnect. Sometimes we get so embittered and so angry that we justify the sin that we struggle with. And we, over time, we fail to even see it as the old self. And sometimes we just, just be honest, we like sin. We think it's sometimes fun, okay? Anybody else track with me on this? I mean, I know we're Christians in the room, so we don't really want to nod our heads to that, okay? I, I get the, 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 the facade that we put on. It says in verse 9, don't lie to each other, but moving on. But I, I get it. I mean, I'm a human being, too, that sometimes sin just seems like more fun than the Christian life. And we know that we should let go this smelly old self. We get it. And we know that we should put on the new, that we are a new creation, that we have been changed, we've been born again. We got it. But sometimes that old pit-stained nature is just hanging around. And why do we let it hang around? Why do we keep those closets full in our mind of the old self and the old sins we used to struggle with? But the better question is, is not why we keep it around. The better question is this. What do we do about it? You know, what do we do about this old ratty self that we keep around in our lives? So that is kind of the quest today. So if you have your text, go to Colossians chapter 3. Today, my purpose is to take off the old and put on the new. If you've been here for any length of time, then you know that the beginning of the book of Colossians, Colossians 1, 1 through 2, 5, is the kind of the introduction and the doctrine section and lays the foundation of what the new life even is. That the new life, according to chapter 1, that we have been qualified, rescued, and transferred. We have been made alive. We have been made complete. That the certificate of debt has been put out of the way. Why? Because our debt is paid in full by the blood of Christ. Amen. And because of the blood of Christ, that we can be reconciled to God, be called holy and blameless and beyond reproach. That's all talking about the new self. So Paul in Colossians 1, 1 through 2, 5 is kind of the doctrine section. And then 2, 6 through the end of the book is the application section. And anytime Paul uh, does application, it's pretty um, blunt and slightly awkward to read because you're probably convicted. 
The first thing he says in 2.6 is to walk according to Christ. Therefore, because of this, let us walk in Christ. And then in 2.8, he talks about the struggles we have with our relationship with the world, that we should be mindful of the lies and the deceptions of the world that we listen to. And then he talks about the distractions that we face in the church, the distractions of legalism, asceticism, and experientialism, that we substitute true godliness for feeling spiritual or acting spiritual or appearing spiritual but not being the sort. But then in chapter 3, Paul uh, gets uh, personal. We'll see in verse 8 today, but he says, but even you also. So in chapter 2, he kind of talks about the function in the church. But in chapter 3, man, he just zooms in on the individual life of Christians. And we talked about last week, since we have been raised with Christ, since we are a new creation, since the old has passed away and behold, new things have come, because we have become complete in Christ, since we are made alive, then what should we do on this side of heaven? Colossians 3, 1 through 4 says in verse 2 that we should set our mind on things above and not on things below, that we should think on that, where Christ is, all of the blessings and truth that he has granted to us in the book of Colossians and beyond, that we should think about that and not this. And this is really what he talks about. The this is what he talks about today. To give you a brief preview of the passage, Paul uses clothing terms in chapter 3, 5 through 11, and he contrasts the old nature with the new. And if you look at your text with me, kind of the outline for the passage is he had command number 1 in verse 5, command number 2 in verse 8, and command number 3 in verse 9. And the question that Paul is answering today is, what do we do with the old nature that's hanging around? You know, what do we do with the sins and the temptations that still have influence over us? Notice in your text, this is the first point today. Since we have been raised with Christ, what should we do with the old nature? We should take off the old. If you have your notes, those are the first couple of blanks. Take off the old. And he really gets this from verse 5 of Colossians chapter 3. It says this, Therefore consider the members of your earthly body as dead, circle that word, as dead, to immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and greed, which mounts to idolatry. So in, in the New American Standard, verse 5, you know, it, it, it's a good translation, but it doesn't quite capture Paul's intensity, okay? Because what we think with this passage is, therefore consider, think about, okay, consider the members of your earthly body as dead. It's not what he's talking about really in the, he's talking about it, but it's much more intense. But first, just notice with me the very first word I always pointed out, and I'm sorry that I do that, but it's just the most, it's really an important word. So, for exegesis. And if you notice the therefore, what is it doing? Because what? Alright, I'm remembering my Bible verse, my Bible books up here. Um, because 
of earlier of chapter 3. Therefore, because of verse 1 through 4. Therefore, if you, since you've been raised with Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is. Set your mind on things above, not on the things that are on earth. But because, therefore, because you have died to sin, verse 3 of chapter 3, because you have died heiress tense, it is done and over with. And because your life has been hidden, the word hidden means kept through safekeeping. Because, because you have died, because your life is hidden, and because Christ is our life, and because he will return, consider the members of your earthly body as dead to immorality. Now, that word consider, we'll talk about here in just a moment, but what does it really mean? But first, let's talk about the five descriptions up here. Therefore, consider the members. Now, notice this word members. This actually talks about your body parts, okay? It's kind of what it refers to. Your eyes, your hands, your mind, your soul, your heart, those kind. So, therefore, consider the members of your earthly body, your flesh, this, as dead to immorality, So you see five different descriptions of what we should consider our members to be dead to. Number one is immorality. The word immorality, specifically here, refers to sexual immorality. It is the Greek word porneia, which means fornication. But when you expand this idea of sexual immorality to Jesus' definition, that sexual immorality is not just physical fornication, but it's also a thought of lustfulness then what is it really talking about? That all of the members of your body that are susceptible to sexual immorality put it to death, put it to the side, put an end to it. The, those thoughts, the thoughts of sexual immorality, um, keep the old man around and are causing harm to yourself and to your personal loved ones. So number one, he's talking about putting aside the members of your body that are subjected to sexual immorality. Number two is impurity. This means, in particular, indecent or offensive, inappropriate behavior, behavior of a non-sexual nature. Number three, he talks about passion. Passion in our soul, impurity in our hands, passion in our soul. The Greek word here for passion, this word right here is pathos, which kind of means... Um, sinful urges then number four you have evil desires in each of us we have evil desires they are the whispers of temptation that we all experience to put on the old self to you know the the question that comes to my mind for evil desires is this what if i get away with it what if the IRS doesn't find out, okay? Or what if my boss doesn't find out? These are kind of the evil desires that I see in full. This is describing the members of our old self that we like to put on, that we keep around. Old self and greed. The greed, the idea is, this is the fifth characteristic, it is taking from someone else and giving to myself to enrich myself. But this word in the original language does not just mean greed, but it also means to covet, To want something someone else has. So these are the five things we should consider. The members of our earthly body as dead to immorality, impurity, passion, evil desires, and greed, which amounts to idolatry. So all of this leads to idolatry before Christ, putting that before Jesus. But what does that mean? 
when we meditate on immorality, impurity, passion, evil desires, and greed, what are we really doing? If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you know this stuff is wrong. I mean, am I the only one that knows it's wrong? I mean, just nod your head, okay? We all know it's wrong. Okay, that sexual immorality, fornication, the thoughts of lust, impurity, passion, evil desires, and greed. When we put on the old self and we meditate and we live this, what are we really doing? You're saying to God, okay, God, I I know what's best, but I don't really want that now. I want, I deserve, I need, I desire. What are we doing when we say that? We are putting ourselves as idols above the priority of the Lord. That's what he's saying, is that we meditate on the old things, immorality, impurity, passion, evil desires, and greed. We are mounting ourselves to be idols, to be above the Lord, because we know it's wrong. So we see the, the five members up here. I take sexual immorality, eyes, greed, our mind, impurity, our hands, passion, our hearts. But um, what do we do about it? You know, what do we do about this thing, this old self? Well, it says, therefore, consider the members of your earthly body. But, you know, as I've already said, the word consider here is uh, it's not legizomai, which is the Greek word I expected to find. Nerd, I know. Um, I, it's actually different. It, Paul is literally saying, therefore, Kill. Kill. Put to death the members of your earthly body as dead. And the word consider means to kill. It's in the position of emphasis. It's the very first word in the sentence. Therefore, kill the members of your earthly body as dead to immorality, impurity, passion, evil, desire, and greed, which amounts to idolatry. Therefore, consider it to be dead. Put it to death. Why? Why should we... Put to death the old, staunchy, dead, skin-celled, filled old self. Um, It's more than just, well, because God told me to, right? Sometimes I use that as justification for my six-year-old to actually obey me. Um, She says, why do I have to go do that? Um, Because I said so. (laughs) Anybody else? Parents in the room? No? Okay. Um, But why else? Well, because you're a new creation, that you have been born again, that you are changed, that the chains of sin and death no longer have dominion over you. Why else should we put to death or kill the old self? We're a new creation. But let's just, um, let's just be honest. Can we just take down the... Um, the world says to us that these five things are more fun than the Christian life, which in a moment might be true to a certain degree. Um, But what's always the consequence to this? If you are married, okay, and you revel in sexual immorality, what's the result of your life going to be? It's going to be conflict, a dumpster fire, we could say, okay? If you are struggling with greed at work, what are you going to be tempted to do? You're going to be tempted to inflate numbers to get a bigger bonus? The best life truly is... Living the new life. It's in, we are a new creation. The old things have passed away and behold, new things have come. Living a godly life is the best life. It just is. What does the Bible say? 
The Bible says in the book of Ephesians to not be drunk with wine for that is dissipation. How many of you have ever seen someone ruin their life because of liquor? Yeah. The Bible says, Proverbs twenty-two twenty-six, do not co-sign for a loan. How many of you have ever co-signed for a loan or seen someone co-sign and it ruined their life and their family? The Bible says not to worship money. How many of you have ever seen somebody that worshipped their job, that forsook their family for the sake of a paycheck? We all have. Friends, listen to me. The new life, the new created life, thinking on that and not this is the better life. The world, your old self will tell you something different, but it always is what's best. Living the new self, a righteous life, walking like Christ is always what's best. But let me just ask the question, what is Paul really asking in this? His question is, and keep in mind, he's talking to Christians. He's talking to rock star Christians. He's not talking to the deplorable uh, church in Corinth. He's not going to talk to people that don't understand morality and godliness and all this kind of stuff. He's talking to people that really understand the Bible and trying to live out their, their life. But he still is saying to them, what is he really asking them? Where is the sin in your life? Is it in immorality? Is it in the members of impurity? Is it in your passion, evil, greed, evil desire, and greed? Where is the sin in your life? Can I just speak frankly? We all have sin in our life. We all struggle with temptation and sin, including this guy, okay? It may not seem that way, okay? Um, <laughs> maybe it does. Uh, maybe you see some evil. Well, actually, I knew you struggled with sin, okay? Blah, blah, blah. We, we all... Paul is just simply asking the question, where is the sin in our life? Where are we putting on the old self? What are the members in our body that are out of control? Is our, our eyes, our, is our mind, is our heart, is our hands? What does Paul say, he says, to put it to death? Um, but why else should we take off the old? Why should we consider the members of our earthly body as dead or to kill them? Well, he says why in verse 6 and 7. For, key word, Greek junction, it's not actually guard, it's something else, but it just gives the same memo. For it is because of these things that the wrath of God will come upon the sons of disobedience. So why should we put to death or kill the members that are subjected to immorality? Well, because the wrath of God is coming. In other words, what? That Jesus will return and judge all for their sin. Revelation chapter 20, that there will be a great white throne of judgment, that our mistakes and our sins, even we as Christians, will be judged by the Lord. Now, can I just, um, I was listening to a sermon this week, so reason number one, if you have your notes, is that the wrath of God is coming. I, uh, I was listening to a sermon this week by Vadi Bakum. Anybody know who Vadi Bakum is? Good preacher and large black guy who's super intense. Um, and he made a point that we have sissified Jesus. That we have sissified him. That we make Jesus out to be a beggar. Begging someone to come to repentance, begging someone to come to him, someone who is heartbroken when they are rejecting him. And Jesus is not a beggar. In body words, body Bakken's words, he is a breaker. He will judge sin. That we have sissified Jesus. 
Because the Jesus I see in the Bible, and this was a point that he said, the Jesus I see, yes, he has died, he's given us the gift of salvation by grace through faith in Christ alone, I get that, but he is also a God of justice and a God that will return to judge right and wrong, that he is not what we picture him in our culture to be, this this gentle, well, he is gentle, but anyways, but he's, he's just and he's merciful and gracious, that he will come and the wrath of God will come upon the sons of disobedience. You know, we are so concerned in modern cultures of hurting people's feelings that we just, just don't tell people the truth. That's the truth. That Jesus does love you, but he doesn't need you. He existed before he even created us. So why should we consider our members dead? One is because the wrath of God will come upon the sons of disobedience. We'll be judged for our sin, the old self. But then reason number two is in them you also once walked. Notice that word, walked, past tense. It's done and over with. That you are a new creation, that when you were living in them. So the reason we should consider dead our members is because it is our former Life, verse 7, and in them you also once walked when you were living in them. It is our former life. We have new clothes. We have a new identity. Sin no longer has dominion over us. We should put it aside. But why we should put it aside? This is the old self. And I sat on it today during Gear Up Hour to make it extra wrinkly. Okay. We should set it aside. So let's just be honest. Um, why do we keep sin around? Why do we keep the old self around? I think sometimes sin just becomes comfortable. That we've done the same thing year after year after year after year. And sometimes in life we don't even realize that it's sinful. We don't even realize it's the old self. That we're just so used to it being around us that we just don't even notice it anymore. Sometimes we keep sin around us because we find it comforting. The third reason why we keep sitting around is because we say it's part of who we are. Anybody else heard that one before? They justify having a bad temper. They justify being bitter and angry and resentful because that's just who we are. Who's that talking? When, 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 the, when you're newly created, it's the old self talking. So we are to, why are we to keep, why are we to put sin aside well number one because the wrath of god is coming number two is because it is our former life but then notice the second command he gives us in verse eight so take off the old this is my point since we have been raised with christ take off the old put it to the side put it aside verse eight but now you also in the original language this is a little bit um i mean there's a lot more smarter guys that created the nasb so take it what you will um, you get what you pay for. I guess you are paying me. But, um, but this is what I think it means. But now you even. This word is chi in the original language. I don't know if it's saying you also. I think what Paul is saying is that you even now. He is taking his hand through the scripture and smacking them around just a little bit. Trying to get their attention. But now you even now put them all aside. Take them off like a piece of clothing. Set it aside. 
anger, wrath, malice, slander, abusive speech from your mouth. What does this describe? In my opinion, verse 5 describes our corrupt members, but this describes our contaminated motives, if you have your notes. Our corrupt members, and this is our contaminated motives. In other words, what a lot of the reason why we want to be sexually immoral, we want to have impurity, evil desires, and greed is because of these things. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, abusive speech. This describes our motives. Think about it. If you are tempted to be greedy, then what might deep down you might be struggling with? Maybe you're angry towards your job. Maybe you feel like you don't make enough, so you have to kind of take a little bit off the top. We relish in sexual immorality. We dabble in it probably because of wrath or malice or anger also. We say, well, you know, my wife doesn't satisfy me. My husband's rude to me. I'm just going to dabble a little bit in sexual immorality. This describes our motives. What is Paul saying? Take off the old and put aside our contaminated motives. But how do we actually do that? You know, how do we do that? Verse 9. Just read this one. But now you also put them all aside. All your motives. All the deep down things that you don't show to people. The, let's just be honest. The people that really see our anger, wrath, malice, slander, and abusive speech. The reason, the only people that really see this is obviously ourselves, but our loved ones, right? I mean, how many of you ever seen your dad ever get mad? I mean, it's called being normal, okay? These are talking about our motives that motivate our members to be sinful. But how do we put them aside? How? Verse 9. Do not lie to one another since you laid aside the old self with its evil practices, how do we take off the old and put it aside? Well, step number one, what do we do? We tell other people the truth. But notice, not other people, but other Christians. Don't lie to one another. If anybody else, I really, when I was studying this passage, this verse seemed totally out of place to me. Because he's sitting there talking about the new self, thinking on that, thinking on this, and all the members and all the things we should put to death and set them aside. And then he just says this. Do not lie to one another since you laid aside the old self with its evil practices. In other words, what? We should tell other believers the truth. That we might be struggling with the old self. That this thing might be kicking our rump. Okay? And we should be honest with other Christians. How many of you trust other Christians? Okay. How many of better questions? How many of you have ever been burned by another Christian? Them sharing secrets about you. We all have. And let's just be honest too. How, you don't have to raise your hand. How many of you have ever lied to another Christian? If you don't want to raise your hand, you, you're lying right now. Okay. Um, because what do we say? You know, Christian, you know, brother that, that loves you, that knows you, that's maybe your kind of ability partner, you know, they come up to you in, in a real meaningful way. What do they say? Man, hey, Byron, man, I mean, you know, how, how are you doing? And they're oh, yeah, I'm great. You know, no, how are you really doing? And then right at that moment, what do you have a choice to make? You can either lie or you can tell them the truth. You can say to them, hey, man, man. My marriage has never been better. My kids are great. They even pick up after themselves. Man, I love my job of renting cars. It's the most wonderful job in the entire world. Okay, that's called this. 
That's called lying. Um, but, so you should find somebody that you could talk to about this, about putting to death and laying aside the old self. But let me just give you a couple of tips, okay? If you're a little nervous about finding a Christian inside the church to find an accountability partner, somebody to talk to about your old self, you should be a little cautious and a little wise. I'm just going to give you a couple of tips. Who do you look for in somebody that you can trust with your old self? Well, number one, you need to look at their character. You need to know them a little while. Are they a person of integrity? Do they love the Lord? Do they practice what they preach as best as they can? But then the second thing you should look for in somebody that you can trust and not lie to, somebody you can talk about the old self, is number, number two is, do they gossip? That's a quick way to tell if you can trust somebody. Do they talk bad about other people? Because guess what? <laughs> if they talk bad about them, they're going to probably talk bad about you. So, but let, do me a favor. Um, with this, I think you should find a believer to come alongside you to help you understand the old self, to, to put it to death, put it aside, put on the new. We should find that. But please don't go bleeding on everybody, okay? Just find one or two people. Get in a grow group. Begin building relationships here at Calvary Bible Church for accountability. And do me a favor also. If somebody comes to you with a concern, keep it to yourself. The quickest way to disqualify a relationship is by sharing other people's old self struggles. Tell other believers the truth. How else do we overcome? How else do we put aside anger, wrath, malice? Well, it says in verse 10, And have put on the new self who is being renewed, to a true knowledge according to the image of the one who created him. Have put on. So point number three is this. And put on the new. And put on the new. The word new here in verse 10 is again a clothing term. But this one in particular means to invest in clothing. To put it on. To take care of it. And notice what it says. And have put on. So wait a second. It's already past tense. You know, my points are a little bit misleading. Okay? And... Because, wait, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you are already a new creation. You already have the new self on, right? So what is he saying? Have put. This is past tense. That the moment you come to Christ, you are a new creation. You, have, you are born again. You are changed. No longer does this have dominion over us. Okay? We are a new Creation. We have the ability, after you believe in Jesus Christ, to set this aside. So the moment you believe in Jesus Christ, you are putting on the new self. But I love this part, which is being renewed. This is passive, passive voice. The subject of the verb is being done to them. So I was hit by the ball. Who is renewing us? The Spirit of God. So we are new, and we're also being renewed. Notice what it says. If we are living the new life, if we are living in according to the scripture, what does it say we will become? Who is being renewed to a true knowledge according to the image of the one who created him. If we have put on the new, if we're being renewed by the spirit on a daily basis, we should grow in our true knowledge, but we should become like the image of the one who created him. We should become like Christ. That's the new self, if we are truly listening to it, we should become progressively more and more like Christ. But then notice the second, the last thing it does. So we become like Christ, a renewal in which there is no distinction between Greek and Jews, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave. 
and free men, but Christ is all and in all. What are the results of putting on the new self? Well, a couple here would become like Christ, and we become united in the body of Christ, despite our differences. Okay, so kill your members, put aside contaminated motives, and realize that you are already made new. And depend on the Spirit to renew you day after day in the way that we can tell if we're being renewed by the Spirit, if we are walking according to the Spirit, if we are putting on the new self is two things in full. Are we becoming more like Christ? And do we have unity in the body? Let's just put it brass tacks. Um, one of the ways you can tell if you're living according to the new self, actually, let me back up. One of the ways that you can tell that you're living according to the old self when you come to church is you walk in the door and you automatically think about all of your preferences. I'm sure the barbarians and the freemen and the slaves all had different preferences. But what did he say? But Christ is all and in all. There's a sense of unity that we're all created new that we're part of the body of christ part of the family of god that we should be united in the cause for christ in the way that we can tell if we are living out the old self one way we can tell when we come to church is uh, am i focused on this guy say man how you could tell if you're living according to the new are you becoming like christ and do you focus on differences because if you focus on differences that's the old person talking so the question is i have is so what you know how do we take this passage and apply it to our life kind of last week we talked about the 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 that the 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 good ideas the new life what christ has done for us we talked about that we jot i encourage you to jot down 10 ideas to think on that and not this just from the book of colossians you know i practiced what i preached last week so here are my 10 These are the ten that's that I should think of instead of the this of the old self. The Father qualified me to fit with other believers. He rescued me from the domain of darkness. He transferred me to the kingdom of his beloved Son. That I am reconciled through Christ's death. I am now, because of Christ, holy and blameless beyond reproach. I have been made complete in Christ. I have been raised up with him. I am made alive. I am hidden in Christ. And I have a new nature. So that is the that. But the question I have this week is the opposite. Think on that, not this. So last week I heard you talk about, look at that. My question this week is, what is the this? What is the this in your life? What are the corrupt members and the contaminated motives in our lives? Where is the old self-living? Where is this living in our lives? Where does it find its place? Are we struggling with sexual immorality, impurity, greed? Are we struggling with anger, malice, slander, and bitterness? Friends, sometimes um, this becomes so ingrained into our mind and into our heart that we fail to even recognize it. You track with me? I've met... Men in particular, I've met men that are so embittered towards their wife that they can't even see their bitterness. This has a way of blinding us to the truth. Friends, kill it. Recognize it. Put it to death. Put it aside. 
Why? Because you are a new creation. You are different. You can live a life glorifying to the Lord. You can live a life that is good according to His standards. You can live a life that progressively becomes more and more like Christ. Let's just be honest. The new life is better than the old. The world will tell you that, oh man, you don't need that Christian stuff. You don't need those rules and those legalistic people. And they're all talking about do's and do nots. And that is a load of horse manure. That is people that are living this out telling you that. Because the Bible, the life that I've seen in 38 years, I just turned 38. The life that I've seen in 38 years is that the Bible is true. That it is better to live a godly life. It's better for your marriage, it's better for your children, it's better for your pocketbook, okay? If you save money, biblically speaking, it's a good thing, okay? If It's better your own health. How many of you have ever seen somebody smoke eight packs a day? What do they look like, okay? That's just the way it is. It's better to live the new self than the old. So question number one is this, where is the old self living in your life? And question number two is this, how can you take off the old and put on the new? How can you take off the old and put on the new? But really, we already have the new. And I've already said that. We are already, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you're already a new creation. So what's the relationship here? As a newborn babe is complete yet has room to grow, so are we. So how do we Take off the old and live in the new. I'm going to give you four different tips that I see in this passage. And they're not in my notes. So so how do we live in the new? Number one, we set our mind on that and not this. That's what he said in verse two. Set our mind on that and not this. Number two, we take off the old. We recognize where it is in our life and we take it off and we kill it. And we put it to the side. So number one is we set our mind on that. Number two, we take off the old. Number three, we depend on the Spirit. We are renewed, and we are also being renewed. Verse 10, on a daily basis, the Spirit of God is renewing us. Number four is to get into relationship. Um, How many of you have ever met somebody that's completely blind to the way they live? And you can just look at them within a matter of seconds and say, that's dysfunctional. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, but the person's like, just, they can't see their own dysfunction. But you as an outsider are like, dude, that's, that's, man, that's messed up. Am I? That's why we need accountability, friends, that this becomes blinding over time. It just becomes the way it is. We need other people speaking in our lives about the lies that we believe. Do not lie to other believers. Get in relationship. Since we have been raised with Christ, what do we do with the old self hanging around? We take off the old, put it aside, and put on the new. And we live according to the new that is being renewed by the Spirit. Very quick. Uh, If you do not know Christ Jesus, um, then you are not a new creation. You are living in the old. And the old life has dominion over you. If you have never trusted in Jesus Christ, if you've never been born again, maybe you walked the aisle one time, maybe you prayed a prayer, and then you the next day went right back to your old life, and guess what? Then if that happened to you, you're not a believer in Christ. Sorry. I'm not trying to be mean. That's just the truth. Because in the Bible, I see, the Spirit of God that I see, that when you believe in Christ, you are a changed person. Amen? That you're a new creation. 
Old things have passed away, and behold, new things have come. If you have never entered a relationship with Christ, I would encourage you to see me and place your faith in him and um, pray with me. Father, we thank you for today, and thank you just for that we could talk about just the practical nature of our struggles with sin. And Lord, I pray that we would realize that we are believers, that we have something better already on us, in us, being renewed by the Spirit of God. Lord, I pray that we would become progressively like your Son and that we would set ourselves aside and that we would love one another and love you. Lord, I pray for those that do not know you as Savior, for those that aren't born again. I pray that the Spirit of God would open their eyes to the truth, that they need a relationship with you, that you've come and you've died for them, that if they believe in you, they shall be saved. Thank you for this church. Thank you for their support and their love. And bless the rest of our day together in Jesus' name. Amen.